Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to the Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He is currently on Broadway in Some Like It Hot, but in 2008, he was a swing covering Monkey's Trap, Skimbleshanks, Tugger, Alonzo on the U.S. National Tour 5 of Cats. So welcome, Ian Campagno, and thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is, this is super cool. <laughs> yeah, it's always, I think, I do get a lot of, like, when I meet Broadway people and I tell them the podcast, they're like, wait, what? Like, they're usually a little confused. Oh, when I, well, when I saw the title of the podcast, I was like, oh, this is kind of, I was like, this is brilliant. And then once I learned what the entire podcast was about, I was like, this is really brilliant. I was like, let's do this. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's start at the beginning. I always love to hear your introduction to seeing cats. Like, when was the first time you saw it? Was it the '98 movie? Was it a, a live performance? Oh yeah, it was the it was the movie for sure. I had um, the DVD, and I would watch it at home. And I actually would try and teach myself the choreography at home when I was younger. I love it. So you were like replaying the DVD over and over and over again, trying to figure out the dance. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I already enjoyed theater at that point. Um, and because of the way it was filmed and recorded, I mean, it really made you feel like you were on stage with the cats. And I, I just, I loved it. I was, I was obsessed. And of course the dancing, I was just in awe of all of these amazing performers who could, uh, I mean, dance as athletically as they did. And I, yeah, I was enthralled by it. I love it. So who did you, did you have one or two that like the dance numbers you were trying to figure out first? The ball. The whole ball. For sure. The whole, yeah, the entire thing. I love it. Because you know that, I mean, yeah, that's the, obviously the longest number in the show. But um, because of the ebbs and flows of it all, I I found it to be the most fascinating one to watch. That's so interesting. I, I always, because you know, like whenever I talk to a lot of like female dancers are always like, oh, I was trying to learn Victoria's number or I was trying to do this. And so it's interesting to hear that you picked the ball where there's so much going on and so many different characters. You're trying to figure out kind of all the different dance numbers there. Yeah, I probably wish I could have learned Victoria's, but I am yeah. not that flexible. So, <laughs> so that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I was curious because I thought like maybe it would be Mistopheles' dance number or the turns or maybe even like um, yeah. Mungo Jerry and Ripple Teaser type of thing. I think I, think I thoroughly enjoyed watching 
watching Mistopheles, I don't know that I wanted to do it. And even, yeah. even, <laughs> even still to this day, if I were to ever do the show again, I would always be enamored by Mr. Mistopheles, but I don't know that I would ever want to do it. Don't want to be, okay, that's interesting. Well, because it's, it's so hard, you know what? It's one of the hardest numbers in the show, not only because he dances so much, but it's also towards the end of the show as well. So yeah. you've already you've already done, I don't know, uh, what probably like an hour and 45 minutes of dancing your butt off. And then you've got this massive solo that everyone is looking forward to and you just have to crush it. And that's what, it that's a lot of it's a lot of pressure. It is. It's it's interesting too because you know I the thing I didn't realize, and as someone who's just a spectator at, at all of this, is how much dancing is happening throughout the whole thing. And then it's like, oh yeah, you're not getting any break, and you're doing this stuff, especially some of the you know the dancers. You're on almost the entire show. You get Rumble, yes. Mungo Jerry Rumble teaser, and maybe one or two other moments where you're you're not on stage. Yes, and exactly what you just said. You spend the majority of the show on stage, and even when even when you're not um even when you're not currently dancing you still need to be present and a lot of times you're climbing all over this set as well so yeah. and you're and you are presenting with the physicality of a cat which in and of itself takes effort totally. so so yeah it uh very physical show yeah and you know we'll get into this because your tour was considered everything i read about it was that it was extremely grueling like i kept saying it was a very challenging tour as well um so we'll, we'll get to that because you add in a grueling travel and tour into a grueling show is a lot but i want to hear i yes. want to go back a step you know, before you get cast into this in 2008, when did you get to see it on stage before? Did you see any regional productions or any Broadway productions? I, I don't remember seeing it on stage ever, just the uh, DVD at home. Okay, so that's that's a fascinating thing for me because now you go in, let's talk about you get cast in the role and you're, as a swing, you're covering, would you cover four um, different characters? I love yeah. hearing what you're told like you don't by by seeing just the dvd unless you listen to all the other stuff after and all the you know they have all the other commemorative stuff at the end but yeah. like what was that rehearsal process like to where they told you i'm fascinated about the story arc of the cats like not the dance numbers and the singing all that stuff that you're going to learn but here's how the these four male characters here's what you need to know about them on how to play their persona so the the interesting thing when you are a swing in general is that you're always around in the rehearsal process but sometimes you don't always get the one-on-one -on -one, uh descriptions or the one-on-one -on -one explanations from the director choreographer mm -hmm. whomever because normally in the rehearsal room the swings are all off in the corner and you have your notebooks out and sometimes if there's enough room you can get up and move a little bit but the focus is on the performing cast and making yep. sure they know what they're doing so a lot of the times um and i've seen it happen in most productions that i've done like the director will say something like oh so and so come here and they'll have like a quick little conversation and no one else is really privy to that conversation except for the director choreographer and that person so sometimes uh sometimes you don't get as much information in terms of what they're saying to them and you kind of have to uh let's say just assume certain things or just learn from whatever you are seeing the performing cast do 
Yeah, I I find swings to be one of the most fascinating parts of Broadway that I didn't know nearly much about until I started doing this, because it's it seems like it seems so incredibly insanely difficult. Like I can't fathom learning one track of a show and doing it every night, and to learn four and be going in between them potentially night after night. And with, I mean, I just think about the character stories. Like they're so different. You're talking about Tugger to Skimbleshanks are vastly different personality types, vastly different types of like interactions you're having. And you have to change that mindset for, to your point, a two and a half hour, three hour of straight dancing show. So how did you go? How do you go about that when you're swing? How do you go from like, do you have a, a, like, did you prep going into a show knowing I'm going to be Tugger? So I'm going to be a little bit more arrogant this morning. And I'm going to be skating well, and I'm going to like make my bed. Like, how did you, did you like think about those things when you're going between these, these uh, characters? Um, yes, I think, I think the first thing you do as a swing is you kind of just make sure you know what you are physically doing on stage that night. Um, and then once you feel, once you feel solidified in that, I feel like then you get, then you get to play with your characterization of who you're going on for. Because what also happens too is that, um, as a swing, a lot of the times you, you tend to forget that you can make the character your, your own. Yeah. to an extent like the character is is what it is and of course you have to stay within the mold of the character but when you watch a show over and over again and you're watching a performer do the role over and over again sometimes the tendency is just to mimic what they do and sometimes you forget that you can put your own twist on it and still be within the realm of the character so one of the well, one of the worst and best parts about cats is that you have to do the makeup. Um, and so, and so it, uh, and excuse the sirens, New York City loves, loves to welcome just to have ambulances fly and ever welcome to New York. Um, but when you're doing the makeup for cats, it takes, you know, a little while. Uh, and so, in the time that you're doing your makeup, I think is a good time for you to kind of get into character because each character has their own makeup plot. So of course, not only are you learning different tracks, but you're learning four completely different makeup plots. Yep. So, yeah. So then that that 45 minutes to an hour, however long it's going to take you to put your makeup on, is a good is a good time to start to feel the character, like you were saying, like to start to feel a little more arrogant, and then or a little more dorky and quirky. Um, but then once you put the costume on, I don't know, it just feels like it kind of happens naturally with the characters. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, it varies A, with the character and B, from night to night, like you said, depending on who you're going on for. But then as you, as you perform a role more often, I think you then start to find who that character is for you. And then it just comes a little quicker. You don't have to think yeah. about it too much. That's a perfect transition. I want to hear how these characters are to you. Cause I do think the, the, the most interesting part to me for cats is, is that you get different interpretations of the backstories cause they're not really written. They're not there. It's a little bit about the relationships you play and all those things can change. So let's go one by one. I want to hear how you would describe them, any kind of crazy theories you came up with or anything you did in those couple <laughs> years you did it to get you through the shows for that particular cat. So let's start with Monkish Trap. Um, I, uh, I don't, I, I'm obsessed with Monkish Trap. I love Monkish Trap. Um, 
monk is trapped to me is the leader you know he is he is uh, who everyone looks to for uh guidance advice for protection um he to me is also a huge stud but like doesn't know it i'd like not arrogant about it like tugger is um but i think what i loved most about monkish trap was the fact that he was the leader and the, and the protector of the group. Do you have any thoughts on with Monkey's Trap of when it's his turn? Like, did you ever have any animosity towards Old Deuteronomy of like, all right, get out of the way. It's fine. I'm ready to take over as the leader. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. And I think, I think, yes, but I think to a degree for Monkey's Trap, he already had taken over. I mean, I know Old Dude, uh, you know, he's there, but he's like, to me, it was always just like, he sat there, you know, even as he sits there through intermission. But Monkish Trap was the active leader. Fully. Where old, so, old dude was like the calm sit back and like, you know. So is who's making the decision? Like who's making the call on Grizabella then? Is it Monkish Trap or is it old, old dude around me? Well, no. I mean, it's old dude for sure. Okay. So when is Monkish Trap's time to come in and decide who to murder? Uh, when old dude dies. <laughs> when he just, when I, he just I, I, passes. Okay. When, when he's, yeah, when he's gone, I guess, because, yeah, as long as old Deuteronomy's there. And and maybe in the show, maybe it was that everyone else may have chosen someone else, but uh, old dude felt that it was necessary. Okay. Let's go to yeah. Tugger. Tugger. Oh, what a fun role. Um, you just get to be, like crazy rock star on stage and as soon as you hit the stage you have to have like uh you have to like give no shits do you know what i mean like it just has to be com completely arrogant um and it was funny because to, because i covered like the older cats normally typically they tend to be taller and i'm 5'10 so i'm just like on the shorter side for the the older cats or the big boys, as we called them. Um, and it was funny because when I would put the Tugger costume on, my cast would call me Teen Heartthrob Tugger. Because I was just like, I was just smaller in stature in general. So I kind of always, uh, <laughs> I kind of always just took that and ran with it. And I just was like, okay, I'm like an in-sync Tugger. Or something like that. It's just some boy, boy band like, tugger. I love. Yeah, it. some like Hanson tugger or something. Hanson, <laughs> Hanson tugger is a very Hanson different tugger. vibe for sure. It is a different vibe. I love that. Um, that's that's so interesting. I never thought about height into any of these characters because you know they're they're your cats. Like you're not right. Like, you know, thinking much about it. the only one that really comes off is Buster Jones's weight is kind of like alluded to frequently, but that's the only type of like body sizing thing I ever I never considered. I do I did see like we've have talked in the past of some of the Jenny Any dots have been on the younger side. And so it's like mm -hmm. they have to maybe tweak a little bit of that on the the motherly, not old when you're yes. you know, young twenties playing Jenny Any dots, but I never thought about height. I like Hanson Tugger, Heart Dog Tugger uh Tugger. That's kind of <laughs> a, fun, a fun way to, to go about it. Did you think about with Tugger the Mistopheles relationship? Because that's like pretty much all the fan fiction. Um, to be honest, no. Um, no, I never really thought too much into that relationship. That's going to disappoint some fans, because that's what all uh -oh. the stories are about. And all the pictures are. Oh, no. Are. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe so, that came well, after. Well, no, well, tell me their stories. I'm, I'm curious, because I'm not sure. Because maybe you'll say it, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I do remember hearing that. Well, I, th I think it really stems from that there's a little bit of singing on each of the lines, 
And then Mosafwis is, I mean, I think is very clearly gay and Tugger seems very clearly open to anything. And so there's that, but by just having those two that way, you see a little bit of this like playful uh, relationship on stage. And so when you take the fan fiction after and off stage, there's a lot of the two of them being a couple. I see. I didn't, I never saw it that way. If anything, it would have been more like a, like a big brother or like a, um, a mentor or even, or even if the, even if the characters are seen as gay, someone who's like, uh, showing him, I want to say this, someone who's, oh goodness, the words are not coming to me right now. (laughs) But no, I, it definitely never felt like, definitely never felt like a relationship kind of thing. It was more, it was more mentory or let me like take you under my wing and make sure you're taken care of. Then I never, no, I never really, I I personally didn't see it that way. I love, well, that's what makes this fun. Cause I don't, I don't think there is an answer to most of this. So it's like, yeah, there's not. Fans <laughs> will, yeah, a lot of fans will do it, but it's like, they're also cats. So it's like, there's, yeah. um, you know, it's, I did see someone just sent me, um, this week that there was, uh, he, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber was talking to, um, how, uh, the phantom they were talking about, about that. And he was saying like, Hey, I got this new show. And he talked about all this stuff and I was like, Oh, here's what it means. And here's the, bu- the meaning behind it. And Andrew Lloyd just goes, no, it's just about cats. And so it's like, you know, it's. <laughs> Let's let's take back all this stuff, which is not good for me as someone who overanalyzes every aspect of the plot. But I do think it's fun, um, and that's one that, like, trust me, the fans have run with uh, deeply as those two are Bert and Ernie ish together. Um, you you know now that you say now that you have said that, I do feel like I have seen uh, drawings and whatnot of that sort. Yeah. Oh, if you, and I if- I. Yeah, I think feel like Start I are reading some fan forgot. fiction stories. It's it goes <laughs> it goes deep. It goes very deep. Um, let's go to Skimble Shanks. Skimble Shanks. Uh, what like a weird quirky guy. Um, to play Skimble Shanks was fun, but it was also just I don't know strange. He was go- he goofy and just uh, but also like a little OCD, you know. Yeah. Um, but also has his he has his own sense of importance to himself. Like he he thinks he's very important, um, and he is to an extent. But that to be I mean to be honest, and I hope the fans don't get upset or anything. He <laughs> wasn't always like my favorite one to go on for. But then once I would get to the number, I actually loved doing the number because the imagination of the number, everything that happens around the number with building the train and whatnot is all very fun. And even his little bits in the number are, are fun as well. And I think the audience enjoys the number too. That is, um, that's going to be a hot take because Skimble is pretty universally loved. Um, but I'm not, I, I'm not saying he's not lo- like not loved, <laughs> but as a, as a swing, as a performer, like if you were like, who would you want? Like, if I got to choose who I went on for that night, he wouldn't have been like my first choice to go on for. Yeah. I, um, I know that, that he's universally loved because I also, uh, kind of 
ripped into him a little bit. And it's, and I know where my hatred comes from. It's because the first time I saw the show, the, the light of the train hit me directly in the audience. You know, they like, they put it out in the crowd and yes. I couldn't see, I couldn't see for like a good couple minutes after. And I just was like, whoever that cat was, I was like, and you know, they're singing Skimble Shanks. I'm like, Skimble Shanks, not my favorite. And then I like this, the second time I saw it, I was, you know, up, up in the balcony and I wasn't in a good seat. And, you know, it didn't hit me there. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like, I get what the yeah. hype is about. Sure. But I've had a few people <laughs> come back at me and being like, because I called him the, the creepy uncle. And uh, I got well, I got a little a little uh, flack for that. But, um, with, uh, okay. But I understand where you're, where you're coming from with that description of him. Because the way he is played sometimes is very much that. It's like he's... Like, he's a little older and just a little weird and quirky. Um, but again, you know, with my stature, I wasn't, like, tall and super thin. Um, so I think may maybe I gave it a little bit of a different life. But again, you still have to stay within that, that realm yeah, of characterization. Heard, totally. I think that's what's fun about it. Um, what about Alonzo? There's not a ton about Alonzo besides, because I, I don't know if you did the Victoria dance. It's not always Alonzo. It's sometimes Corporal Cat. So it's, that's like the, it's mostly just that he's a brother with uh, Tugger and Monk is usually the story uh, you get. A lot. Well, yes. And Alonzo, um, talk about a hard track, man. He danced every dance. And then he uh, does the shadow dance during McCavity. And so okay. like at the very at the very beginning of McCavity, just when you want a break, it's like, no, here's a solo for you. And you're like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Wow. Um, but, Al but Alonzo, um, I don't know that I ever thought too much into it other than just being part of the pack um, and having to dance a lot. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to make it through the show. <laughs> totally. We'll be back after this short break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As a swing, I, I know those are the main characters, but what other theories did you, did your cast have any, like, here's how we're going to definitely play this kind of odd quirk between these these two cats? Or is there something else that... That's, I feel like my job now in life is to just document all the different theories of different <laughs> productions of cats. So trying to bring them all out as much as I can. Um, well, obviously there's the theory that um, McCavity had his way with Demeter. Um, yeah, that seems like a staple. Which is like, that's like a it, given to every cast. Yeah. Um, and then... I'll, I'll say, I find that fascinating yeah. to begin with, that that is the what? one staple. Because we talk about how... 
you know, there's not a lot of, it's like fairly loose backstories and it's like, well, it could be this, it could be this. And you're not like yeah. fully given it. And then every single cast member I've talked to is like, well, yeah, but Demeter abuse is being abused by McCaffrey. It's like, that's the one for sure. And I'm like, how is this the one backstory arc that cats decided we all are going to know about? It seems like a very strange choice. And you know what? It's it's so interesting too when you, when you start to hear about all the theories and all the backstories and whatnot. I can't help but wonder if if they were things that the original cast came up with to bring whatever moment to whatever heightened point it needed to be at, and then because it worked and it brought it brought those moments uh, physically, emotionally to where they needed to be because it was just cats dancing on stage, um, that then those were the things that didn't just keep getting passed down to the next person, down to the next person. And it, it's fascinating to think about because I don't, because clearly, like you were saying earlier, when Andrew where was like, no, it's just about cats. It's like, okay, well then how do we make these emotional moments work without some kind of story oomph behind it. I I think I think you're hundred percent right. I think the logical brain in me is yes, they were given a very, very loose interpretation and focused on the dance numbers and the singing and the staging and all the really cool stuff you get to see and not all this backstory. And they kind of created some of it as they went. The non-logical person in me, the like the hope of me is like, no, I want Andrew Lloyd Webber to have like <laughs> notebooks worth of backstories for each one of these cats of like where they grew up and who their parents are and what their stories are and their dating life with the different cats growing up. Like I, that's the level of detail I want, but I think you're probably more oh, accurate. But, but listen, that would be absolutely brilliant. And I think... I think people would be mind blown if that if, if that ended up coming out at some point ever in the future. It's it sounds like there is like a book of cats at this point, but it's to your point. I think it's more of the okay. Here's what we've kind of assumed based on the interpretations over forty plus years, yes. not the like we're going to write these stories. Cause like, I can't imagine like I, I definitely have added more to Buster Jones's story than there's clearly there. And so <laughs> I do think that it's like, all right, let's, how can we add some of these things to these characters that maybe no one else put any thought. To? And I also think, I think then that makes the show even more enjoyable to the people who love the show, you know, to like come yeah. see it and, and watch the relationships on stage and see if it's, it's living up to what they've heard or if it's going against what they heard, maybe, or if maybe they're picking up on some new uh, vibes or information that they're like, oh, but what about this? It keeps it exciting, but it also keeps it available to each new cast that goes into the show, because then they have room to, they have a baseline, and then they have room to, like, you know, mess around with it slightly. I think that's what's fun about it. There's There isn't really a definitive way, so it gives you, as a performer, some freedom to do, especially like Tugger, you really get some freedom, but you get some freedom in general to kind of to do some reactions. You get to, like, truly act, which I think in some shows you get to, in other shows it's like, no, it's it's a Disney movie. Like it's pretty clear what the, the way this is supposed to go is supposed to be, or, you know, there's a lot of experiences with it. I have noticed that if you look at the theories and head cannons and some of the stuff, and, and I've debunked some of them on this podcast is it's because like these two are actually just really good friends off stage. And so that's why their characters now maybe seem to have a 
you know, like a connection that that a previous cast didn't. It's like, no, those cats maybe weren't written for connection. These two people are just really good friends. And so they're going to play, like, even if they're not intentionally doing it, they're probably unintentionally doing a little bit more of a connection just because they know each other. And that's, I think, what's really cool is because you start getting these blurred lines of, like, maybe Mustafa's and Tugger came because two of the, the people playing those were really good friends, and so they had good chemistry, and that's why all of a sudden people thought they were dating. And like, there's so many different ways to interpret this, not just by lyrics, dance number, staging. There's a lot of other stuff you can add into it. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, the the playing company, they, they get to do it eight times a week. So they really develop their relationships. And then us swings, we get to come in and just throw a wrench into all of yeah. it. Like, <laughs> like we, we fill our spots and we... And we sing our harmonies, and but we can we can come in and give a slightly different take, which then, if everyone's doing their job and paying attention and reacting appropriately, and not just what they do eight times a week, then they're really getting a an honest opinion about the new character or new take on a character that they're seeing. Yeah, and there are super fans who go to see every swing and every performance and every person they can and then only watch that track most of the time it is uh the cats fans are are very loyal and good fans and they're awesome people they sure are yeah they sure are the amount of times and yeah i i toured 2008 2009 um the amount of times that people came dressed full costume full makeup to shows and we loved it i mean we loved it um we we loved the fact that people enjoyed the so the show so much that they would come support. There were people who came, like if we were in a city for an entire week, they would come to every show. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think any show loves uh, fans like that. You know, they love Definitely. they love the support. It's it's good to have it. I also think like what I what I've noticed over the years of Cats is is that the reason it has such a strong fan base it has a lot of haters too, which I understand too. But the fan base <laughs> is strong because there's probably one cat that you relate to, if nothing else. Like, there's such a wide personality in the tribe, and there's probably somebody that you can see a little bit of yourself in, and that makes it a, a relatable story in itself. And, you know, the other group that hates it hates it because it's an easy punchline. Um, and it's different, you know. But um, but I do see there's a lot of people that can see, oh, I'm very much like a Mustafeles or a Syllabob, or, like, this is my personality type, and... Because of that, I get to see that on stage, and it's a really cool, cool kind of piece. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I feel like every show's gonna have some haters, but yeah. Cats, I know, does, and I feel like it's because most people go and they're like, "What was that? Like, I didn't, I don't get it." Um, but if you really just kind of sit back, and even if you're not watching or looking out for storylines or whatnot, and you sit back and you look at the big picture of all of it and you watch the athleticism that the performers have um it really is kind of fascinating and beautiful and i don't know it's like like you said earlier it's iconic it's yeah, yeah. I, and i i get the i get the hate in the sense of i do personally like a neat storyline which is why i've been trying to write my own for for a couple years now of what this yeah. should look like and i get if you go in not expecting that you don't get that instead you get incredible dancing really unique kind of like set design you get like a, just an experience but mm -hmm. if you go in wanting a you know uh, a hero and a villain and you want to have like here's my my issue and then the the we get to the climax of the story and then we have the the resolution and then we have a happy ending you don't really get that you get a very 
different version. You, you know, they kind of fill some of the stuff in. McCavity's a little bit of your villain, and there's a little bit of problem there. But you don't really get, I guess, happy ending is loosely interpreted there, depending on if you see Grizabelle's choices positive or negative, and also if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but it's also hard to interpret that. Like, I, I've seen it now twice on stage and a handful of times on the DVD and over YouTube. And it's like watching it full through, I, I know a lot now, and I'm still like, wait, hold on, what's going on here? Like, where's this part of this? Like, this is a story. So a casual fan is not going to pick up 95% of this. Yeah, and it, it's so hard for me to even comment on that because I did it for nine or ten months. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I knew the show so well. Um, yeah, I because it's funny. It's funny when you just said that. I was like, oh, I was like, but I was like, no, but the show has all of that. But I was in the show, so I, <laughs> I, I know my thought process through the show and how the arc went and everything. But I can totally see where someone who has no clue about it, um, this is kind of like, what just happened? Yeah, it does feel like a, you know, a, a trip on drugs almost. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Some Like It Hot, because I think, you know, we're yeah. recording this during previews. It's going to be, this will be released right after you open. Um, right. You know, it's, I think some people are going to know the movie, but I think a lot of people are going to go in and not know much about it. So like, what... Tell me about the experience. What can people expect to see? Like, tell us, tell us about the show. Great. So, if you know the movie, definitely come see the musical because we are giving you the same storyline with. Sorry, like this. It's essentially the movie, but it's different, uh, slightly different takes on it. So, the movie was known as the funniest movie a of its time, and b I think still on a list of like the funniest movies of all time. Um, so. The musical is giving you a period piece because we we set it in um, 1933, so in the middle of Prohibition, um, and we we are giving you a period piece musical, but we're giving it to you with a very current 2022 lens on it. So if you enjoyed the movie, you will 100% enjoy the musical, and if you don't know much about the movie, you are going to 100% enjoy the musical. We're we are giving you um, a big Broadway musical, big dance numbers, lots of comedy, lots of heart. Um, and it's definitely one that I don't think people are going to want to miss. Yeah, I the movie is kind of a, it's a fascinating story idea. It was, you know, Marilyn Monroe, like it was huge, absolutely humongous, but it predates me uh, and you and like it predates a lot yeah, of us, but sure, by many sure. years um so it's like one of those things that I'm, I'm not sure how many people are gonna i think people will go back and hopefully watch it and see it and then come see your, your show and be kind of fascinated by it because i did i have seen the movie and I mean, and the movie did incredible back in the day but it is it's, it was old so it's like yeah it's really funny it's really well done i've heard nothing but amazing things about the production and how how you have modernized it, I think is probably a good way to say. It. Like you, you take a, a great way a to current say it, yeah. spin on a on a, a yeah a movie that's from the fifties and set in the thirties. So it's uh it's going to be really cool to see. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for everyone to go see it. Um, we'll put a link in on how you can get tickets for everybody in New York and um, and come see it because I do think it's it's great. I always love asking, but it's hard to do this. I usually try to compare characters to different cats, but because it's I only have the movie reference. Do you see any parallels to the show between Some Like Hot and Cats? Oh, that is a great question. Um, and one that I didn't even think about. So give yeah. me a second. <laughs> I direct, oh, direct parallels. I'm going to say no. Uh, 
thematically, though, I'm saying you're getting uh, some brotherly love. You're definitely getting um, love interest. You're definitely getting a uh, villain. You're in, uh, this isn't character parallel, but you're definitely getting big dance numbers. Yeah. Um, and you, you're, you are getting stunning visuals. Uh, the set by Scott Pask, the costumes by Greg Barnes um, are just incredible. Lighting by Natasha Katz. Um, all Broadway veterans who have just, like, knocked it out of the park in terms of the visuals of this show. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, but but direct parallels, I'd uh, I'd have to think on that one yeah. a little harder. <laughs> it's, it's not. There's a couple that have been like really clear. Like there's a little bit of I found six to be a lot of cats because the way at least the way I envisioned it because it's a singing competition. I, everyone tells me chorus sure. line is like exactly like it. A little bit about a couple other ones fit it nicely, but um, it's not always as much as I want to make cats about everything. It's not always neatly fitting into. <laughs> this um, but now that okay. you say those other two though i see how those i see how those would be a little more paralleled yeah yeah <laughs> let's do some rapid fire here to close this oh out. gosh so, okay um if you could play you got to play a handful but if you could play any cat for one night whether you're tall enough short enough you know could do the number can't do the number just if you had immediately could do it who would you want to go on for one night monkish trap monk okay loved loved monk every time who are your favorite and least favorite cats? Oh, favorite cat? That's a hard one. Um, I think I'd still have to go with Monk as my favorite cat. Gu I mean, Gus is my least favorite cat. Oh, don't want... Okay, that's not good for my last question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your favorite song in the show? I like the ball. I know it's not technically like a... It doesn't have lyrics, but the the ball musically is just yeah. one of my absolute favorites. No, we, we, we can't, I count the ball as part of that. I, I do think it's, it's a big piece of the show. I mean, it's like 13 minutes too, right? So... It's a, a long song. Yeah, it's show, right? long. It's long. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have two. I always like to, to do two kind of fun ones. And I want to take some from Some Like a Hot. So who do you think would be the best jazz musician? Which, which cat? cat? Do you think? Yeah. Which cat do you think would be the best jazz musician? And then my other one is which cat do you think would be the best mobster? But I think that one's kind of a clear <laughs> answer. <laughs> the best jazz musician. I'm going to go with, I feel like Jenny Any Dots would be the best Ooh. jazz musician. Just because her trio backup, uh, those harmonies are very jazzy. And it almost feels a little reminiscent of all of our uh, of all of our jazz music in Some Like It Hot. Because Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman are brilliant. And it's, yeah, the music's incredible. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with Jenny Any Dots. I feel like she could riff it out and give you some, give you some blues notes. Okay. And what about Mobster? I think Bustafer Jones is the obvious choice. Yeah, I, that was that's always been my thought. I actually think he's the mobster behind McCavity's crime. But I mean, probably. Yeah. Probably. Why not? <laughs> okay. Final, final and most important question is I've argued at length that I don't think Grizabella should be the Jellicle choice. I want to know if you want to defend Grizabella as your Jellicle choice or if you would send somebody else. And since you hate Gus, I'm assuming you're not going to pick him. No, I'm not going to pick Gus. Uh, and I have, I have thought about this and I, I, I actually am going to, I think I will defend the Grizabella choice. Okay, give me your give me your rationale why you're defending her. Because I, I I think it becomes more. I think it becomes. It's more than just the fact that she is getting reborn. Um, because her being around, the animosity towards her, the hate towards her, 
it by the end of the musical, I feel, was a uh, was something that brought the entire tribe together. Not that they like they were all not all of them were together in their hate of her, especially the kittens. They didn't they didn't know that they should hate her, or be afraid of her, or whatnot. It was kind of like taught to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but their naivete, you know, and their curiosity kind of led the tribe toward her. I, I love the open armsness of it, of, you know, allowing someone back into a community, whether they've wronged you or not, and forgiving them. Um, and then hopefully in that forgiveness um, and that acceptance, if if when she is reborn, she will remember those traits and those uh, things that her community and tribe gave to her, then she comes back a better cat. I, so I, I don't disagree with a lot of this. I do. I, I think you said one thing that I hadn't thought about that made me kind of rethink it, though, which is that when she comes back by the end, they kind of almost need her gone. Because my most recent argument has been that she should come back, be reaccepted into the family, and she deserves her time with her family now. It's like they've made this big redemption acceptance story and she needs time. But I kind of like what you were saying a little bit in the beginning, which is by the end of the musical, they kind of need her out of there. Like they, they like they did accept her, but they they also really do need her to be done with the tribe and go on to her next thing, which I think is a very different argument than the redemption story only. Because I've argued, I, I definitely think if you're going to re- redeem her, she should spend a year with her family and make her next year's choice. But that's an interesting way to think about it. I haven't thought that angle. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I like that argument too that she should spend a year with the family and then. But I don't know. It was kind of just like a yeah, interesting. Well, there is. I always say there's no right choice, but there clearly is because for 40 plus years there has only been one decision being made every every time. <laughs> Um, but, but we're, we're working on it every, every time I'm slowly getting there. I I do, I do think there's an opportunity on tour and I've said this many times that you're in a show, you're in one place for a week. I think you can kill a different cat every night and encourage people to come to a different show every night. (laughs) And it's like, that's, that's a little bit, you know, a little bit more fun, a little different. Giving you the mystery of Edwin Drood cat style or cat style, the cat's mystery of Edwin Drew's style where the audience gets to pick it night. <laughs> Everyone picks. Yeah, pick a different one. Let's let's That's vote. Funny. Let's, let's let America vote. Um That's you funny. Know, <laughs> the, the vote. make it a true singing competition. Um well this has been super fun. How can people I mean I'll link the show so for anyone for someone like hot, but how can people keep up with you on social media and, and stay in touch? Uh, amazing. My Instagram is at I-C-A-M-P-A-Y-N-O. I'm also on Twitter as well. Um, those are probably the easiest ways to keep up with me. And you can find me at the Schubert Theater doing Some Like It Hot. Love it. We will link everything so everyone can go. Thank you so much for um, coming on. I'm excited to see you perform in a few weeks. And I hope everybody that's in New York or near New York goes and sees the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And thanks, everyone else, for listening for this episode of The Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Die. Or check out our website, thewrongcatdie.com. Hey, 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.